Hello and welcome to Nomad Zoo and I. Today I would like to talk about how happy are those who make peace. I'd like to share some ideas that I hope you'll find helpful today around what you can do to enjoy more peace in your relationships, including some very specific and practical takeaways for everyone, both those who are by nature warriors that naturally fight for righteousness, but to be more persuasive, realize they might need some help softening their approaches a bit. And I'll also have some takeaways for those who are perhaps more even-tempered, who seem to have been born to create more peace in the world and just love to do so. For these kinds of personalities, sometimes their challenge can be that they love peace so much that they have to resist compromising in the name of peace where they know they should not. How wise of God to make all kinds of personalities. He knows that we need natural peacemakers as well as those for whom peacemaking does not come naturally. For those warrior types are often the ones most willing to suspend some temporary peace in order to confront the evil and injustice that needs to be confronted. When God says in 1 Thessalonians 5.13 to, quote, live in peace with one another, unquote, we see clearly that no matter our God-given temperament, whether warrior princess or the most even-tempered, being at peace among one another is not optional. Being at peace with one another is actually a command of God. And this peace that God wants from us is no surface level peace. The peace we are to enjoy is the level of peace Jesus prayed for in John 17, 11, that we, quote, may be one even as, unquote, he and the Father are one. The level of oneness we are to have amongst ourselves should be a reflection of the beautiful oneness shared between the Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even with all of those many differences, God, who is the very one who made us so different, believes us quite capable of this level of peace in our relationships. But it's so hard, some might say. Agreed. Working for peace is not for sissies. It is hard work. One writer has noted, quote, the local church is the classroom for learning how to get along in God's family. It is a lab for practicing unselfish, sympathetic love for only in regular contact with ordinary, imperfect believers. Can we learn real fellowship and experience being connected and dependent on one another? Unquote, Rick Warren. When God says in Romans 14, 19, that we are to, quote, pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another, unquote, that verb pursue definitely indicates an energetic effort because peace can be at times hard won. And the truth is that it takes two, both wanting peace for there to be peace. God himself emphasizes this in Romans 12, 18, when he says, quote, if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, unquote. That's a relief, isn't it? God does not expect the impossible. God does not expect you or I to make peace with someone unwilling to be at peace. 
as far as it depends on you, is a great reminder that while we must do everything within our power to live peaceably with all, that at the end of the day, whether or not we have peace with someone is certainly not completely in our control. Today I will be talking about the parts that are in our control. So, what does God say are the blessings that come to those who are dedicated to peacemaking? Well, I'd like to start with what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Do you want to be called a son of God, like a child of God? Then be a peacemaker. Because this privilege of being called sons of God is reserved for you. We see another amazing blessing in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, when it says, quote, Be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you, unquote. We need God with us more than anything else we might be fighting with someone over. What better incentive to live in peace than that the God of love and peace will be with us? And then finally, when Jesus prays for this oneness amongst us in John 17, verse 23 is very telling about one of the many reasons why this peace and oneness amongst ourselves is such a big deal to God. When Jesus prays before his crucifixion that we be perfected in unity, he says it's, quote, so that the world may know that you sent me, unquote. Do you get that? Our oneness is actually nothing less than an indispensable tool for showing the love of Christ to the world. That's why we must pursue peace and let go of all the unnecessary conflict that springs from our pride and other sinful attitudes. You see, it's not about you. It's not about me. Our peaceful relationships are about something worlds bigger. Peace in our relationships plays into the eternal destinies of those on the outside looking in on the family of God and deciding if they want to be a part of that family. What we want the world to see in this family of God is the perfect father and we, his imperfect children, working toward taking on the characteristics of our father that make him so beautiful. And the more we take on those characteristics, such as forgiveness and patience and love, and the less we backbite and so on, the more the world who is looking on will notice how the beauty and value of the things that we have in common, making the things that we don't have in common so, so very trivial. The last blessing I'll mention to those who are dedicated to peacemaking is found in Psalms 133.1, where God says, quote, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity, unquote. Here we learn we are going to enjoy a happier life, even if we have to make some sacrifices in order to enjoy more peace. All right, so now let's switch gears and think about this. Are there principles that are even more important than peace in a relationship? First off, let's understand truth is more important than peace. Since it is the truth that sets us free, any peace that requires our disregarding what is true is deceptive and hurts everyone involved. We all love there to be no conflict in our relationships, but we do better to love the eternal well-being of others even more. 
This leads me to a second thing that is more important than peace. Love is more important than peace. So let's dig deeper into that. At what times must peace in a relationship be sacrificed because of love? Loyalty is a quality spoken very highly of in the scriptures. For example, in Proverbs 18:24, where it says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See the loyalty there? But loyalty isn't loyalty when it requires us to be disloyal to God or disloyal to the eternal well-being of another. What I'm saying is we're not being loyal if we love someone's momentary emotions more than their eternal soul by pretending they are not destroying themselves with what God says destroys their souls. Peace must be sacrificed to have an uncomfortable conversation if wickedness is actively destroying a soul and potentially will ripple out to destroy souls influenced by the wicked. One writer noted, quote, peacemaking is not avoiding conflict, running from a problem, pretending it doesn't exist, or being afraid to talk about it. That's actually cowardice. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, was never afraid of conflict. On occasion, he provoked it for the good of everyone. Sometimes we need to avoid conflict. Sometimes we need to create it. And sometimes we need to resolve it, unquote, Rick Warren. So let's pray for wisdom to know when to sacrifice momentary peace for love. We simply can't have peace with a brother who has gone into sin and is presently at enmity with God. But in Matthew 18, 15, we see God's perfect plan for restoring peace after sin. When it says, quote, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother, unquote. To the one being corrected, let me say this. We have all been in your shoes and we know firsthand how it doesn't always feel good at first to be corrected, but maybe this will help. Realize that the people trying to restore you back into relationship with God, or just maybe even to help you be all you can be, are the ones who love you best. Just like Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, unquote. So when someone opposes us, let's listen humbly and attentively rather than get mad. What the person is saying may have a very valuable instructional element to it. And that's what we really want is a truth, right? Well, sometimes the truth comes to us in ways that initially make us recoil. If you resist recoiling, though, and instead look for elements of truth you may have been blind to, you can often do yourself a lot of good by humbly listening. Let's think about an important thing to ask ourselves. Which sinful mindsets does God say rob us of peace in our relationships? And what virtues prevent those sinful mindsets? Well, Philippians 2, 1 through 5 is a great place to start with that. It mentions several components that make for peace, including love, fellowship, affection, compassion. Then it identifies a couple of sinful attitudes that rob our relationships of peace. As we read these, listen for those peace-robbing mindsets. Quote, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not 
merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, unquote. So right before God says in his word to, quote, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, unquote, he names four virtues that prevent conflict when he says, quote, be completely humble and gentle, be patient bearing with one another in love, unquote. Ephesians 4, 2 through 3. Imagine the level of peace in the world where everyone practiced just those four virtues, humbleness, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love. Again, God has all the answers, and those answers are the virtues that he gave us to live out as he alone defines them. And then finally, Colossians 3.14 instructs us to, quote, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, unquote. So peace in our relationships is a result of putting on love. And love has the power to bind us together to live in harmony. Love is the secret sauce to peace. The remainder of this podcast, I'd like to share some practical skills and techniques useful in preventing conflict, maintaining peace in your relationships, and resolving discord. First off, pray for peace in a relationship. In Romans 5.15, Paul prays that the believers in Rome would be of the same mind with one another. So certainly, praying for harmony with someone we have a hard time getting along with is something quite prayer worthy, especially given the fact that God is so much more powerful than we are. Secondly, giving up something we have a right to can sometimes be a beautiful way to obtain the greater blessing of peace and encouragement. Like remember when Paul was willing to give up eating meat so that he could remain an encourager to other Christians in Romans 14? Giving up a right is very counterculture right now. But considering another's interests ahead of your own is such a beautiful way to live than to knock people out of the way to grab everything we think is due us. Next idea, overlooking an offense in some cases may be the way to peace. Proverbs 19.11 says, quote, it is his glory to overlook an offense, unquote. God has forgiven us, so we owe it to him to forgive one another. One writer reminds us along these lines that, quote, God's mercy to us is the motivation for showing mercy to others. Remember, you will never be asked to forgive someone else more than God has already forgiven you. Whenever you are hurt by someone, you have a choice to make. Will I use my energy and emotions for retaliation or for resolution? You can't do both. So before I move on with my next idea, obviously we are not talking about people who are breaking the law here. We've already dealt with that in this podcast, right? including domestic abuse and such. Offenses that aid and abet evil obviously must not be overlooked. All right, so next idea. Not engaging is an option. When someone is looking for a fight, instead of engaging, smile confidently and say something in your own words along the lines of, you know, I could not disagree more with what you've just said, but I'm absolutely unwilling to quarrel with you about it. If you want to hear my reasons later when emotions have had time to settle, I will reconsider sharing my thoughts with you. Always remember, not engaging is an option. Another option, compromise. When a person gets 
exactly what they want too often, it's not fair for the other people in their life. And it's also not good for them. Taking another's needs and desires into consideration and creatively meeting halfway is a lovely way to bring peace. Remember the example in Acts 15 when Paul and Barnabas had such a sharp disagreement over whether Mark would continue traveling with them and they talked it out but still couldn't come to an agreement. So the creative solution that made for peace was that Paul simply took Silas to go save souls instead and Barnabas and Mark teamed up to do the same thing in another location. What a great example that when we do not see eye to eye over something morally neutral, we also can opt to peacefully part ways and still do the right thing. Let's use our creativity to find a win-win compromise. Next idea, not gossiping. When ugly, gossipy accusations start flying around, don't be so quick to believe what you hear. And when you are the one being gossiped about, it's important to calmly say that's not true. It's even better to prove it untrue by your actions. I remember my mother saying something to me around my middle school years when kids were saying things about me that weren't true. She told me to prove them wrong by my behavior, to be virtuous enough that no one would believe the lies, and in that way to live above the negativity. Next idea, not acting on negative feelings. Instead, just notice your feelings. Decide more consciously and objectively whether or not you should or should not act on them. Isn't this at the heart of James 1.19 when it says, quote, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, unquote. Next idea, giving people the benefit of the doubt. God says, quote, love hopes all things, unquote, in 1 Corinthians 13. So, innocent until proven guilty seems the best policy when we are not sure why someone has just said something weird or kind of offensive or if someone seems to be doing something out of character. The loving thing to do is to check in on them and ask if they're okay, but give them the benefit of the doubt until that conversation can happen. Next idea, speaking up about what I think is right instead of brewing over something that is said or done that I thought was offensive to God or something important that seems to be ongoing that is really bothering me. Speaking up can bring peace to my relationships if done gently and humbly. I mean, wouldn't you want to know if something fixable that you're doing is bothering someone that you love? Or if you're doing something that is offensive to God, no one wants to be caught in a trespass that they are oblivious to, nor do they want to be bothersome to someone that they love. So whether it's sin or whether it's just an annoyance, let's gently and humbly speak up. Next idea is deciding not to be bothered by things that don't matter that much. Does this really matter in the grand scheme of things is a great question to ask yourself from time to time. If not, consider again letting it go. I mean, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it instead of being so sensitive and so bothered by so many things. Next idea, enjoying the fact that people are different from me. Remember in 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 21, when Christians were rubbed the wrong way by the people who were different from them and were getting competitive 
with the spiritual gifts that God had given them. In that chapter, we are encouraged instead to acknowledge and embrace God's wisdom for making us different so we could get more kingdom work done. I mean, accomplishing God's glory takes every type of talent, every type of person, including researcher types, creative idea types, logistics types, the problem solvers, and so on. So instead of being rubbed the wrong way by people so very different from us, Let's instead thank heaven for the people who are willing and able to do what we cannot do as skillfully in the church and even outside the church. And my last idea is just remember that life is short. Let's ask ourselves, what would I say or do differently if I'd just been told that I have a very short amount of time left to live? Because the truth is, you and I are on our way out, and we have only a relative short amount of time left. So in order to have fewer regrets, let's love one another and make peace with one another accordingly. So I'd like to wrap up this podcast in this way. To be completely out of harmony and totally not in peace with the culture at present is incredibly hard for Christians right now. If you are feeling out of place in the midst of this moral darkness, that is one indication that you are on the narrow way that leads to life. With this in mind, I'd like to end this podcast with a prayer, and I invite you to please join me in this. We pray, our Heavenly Father, through the powerful name of Jesus Christ, that within the church, the fold that you yourself shepherd, that weary souls would find peaceful, sheltering family-like relationships in one another that are entirely harmonious and refreshing to our souls in this dark world. In our desire to work for peace, Lord, we pray that you help us to imitate Christ who has brought us back into a peaceful relationship with you, Father. We want, Lord, more than anything else to accomplish to your glory what can only be accomplished in your kingdom if there are no divisions among us. Grant us the unity that Christ prayed before his death. Create in us hearts and minds skilled at making more peace in this dark world. And come quickly, our Savior. Amen.